Some of the crowd are on the pitch. You're listening to The Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic on 1077 The Franchise. Schedule release day to all who celebrate. But that's not what we're here to do. We're here to talk about the beautiful game, the most popular sport in the world, the most competition in the world, the Premier League, as we do every week here on the soccer show. Brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. Ryan Chapman here alongside my good friend and my future boss, as I'll be interning under him, Matt Burton. Matt, hi, hello, how are you? I'm doing well, man. And yes, you're going to be my intern. Are you uh, actually so you're doing gonna well? You're going to be keeping your your full time job. Yes, you're going to be keeping your full time job. You know, all Sooners, and then also Franchise Morning Show. Uh, but I appreciate you for looking out for me and interning for me. It's going to be fun, and I'm I'm ready to put your ass to work. I just want to. That's it. I just want to drink it Twin Peaks. That's all. I, that's, <laughs> that's, that's actually all I want to do with you guys, if that's acceptable. That's fine. I don't That's how ha- I envision an internship going. I don't have any ideas for an intern segment, Tell though. I think I'm fresh out. I think I'm going to be fresh out of ideas <laughs> by the time three to six rolls around. That's okay. That's okay, though. On a serious note, like, are you okay? Are, I, I know it was a tough weekend on the soccer front for uh, you. I have become numb to the pain, so it wasn't actually that bad for me. But are you okay? How are you I'm, doing? I'm also numb to the pain, but I will say... You know that gif of Al Pacino? It's like every time I think I'm out, they drag me back in. Uh, it's the exact opposite. Every time I'm out, you know, or every time I, I'm I'm in, like they drag me back out. You know, I was I was starting. You want to believe? To you want to be happy? I was. You know, it, they were dangling the carrot in front of me a little bit, and I started to believe. You know, checking the form tables, all that. So I was like, you know what, man? It, top four might be back in play, and then. I'm back out again. You know, it's it's just one of those things. I, it's uh, you know, with, with what we do, you know, like especially teams around here. I don't really have that uh, sort of fandom yes. anymore. So this Manchester United is where I get to like have that fandom. We, I don't cover a team. We have this shared thing of like we have soccer and we have the Atlanta Braves, right. and we both have that. I have Chelsea. You have Manchester United. And Manchester United, who had been on a nice little run, aided by the fact that they got to play Chelsea, uh, had just pretty much a disaster class of a weekend. Um, We start on Saturday. Man United hosting the Cherries of Bournemouth. This feels like a nice little tune-up, nice little, hey, guys, we have a massive, massive win-or-die game against Bayern Munich on Tuesday who wants to go out there? Who wants to show me that they need to be the first name on the team sheet against Bayern? And you got 11 guys who said, I don't want to play in the Champions League based off that performance on Saturday. Dom Solanke starts it off. We didn't have to wait very long. The fifth minute, he bangs in the first one. Uh, Bournemouth adds a couple of goals over the course of about five or six minutes in the second half to kill that thing off. And suddenly... 
the narrative heading into Tuesday's huge Champions League tilt, which we'll talk about the Champions League here in a little bit, uh, becomes how much longer is United going to stick with Eric Ten Hag as opposed to trying to build on what was, I thought, a good first season for Ten Hag, the ups and the downs, but you brought a trophy back to Old Trafford. You got um, Champions League football, all that stuff. Instead, this is quickly turning into a nightmare for Mr. Ten Hag, even though the table placement is fine right now, sitting at sixth. I'm going to say something. I'm sure man, some Manchester United fans might be with me, and I'm sure opposing fans like yourself are going to be like, what are you even talking about? What do you mean? I do not. I genuinely do not think Eric Ten Hag is the issue. I mean, obviously, you guys have heard my spiel on the Glazers, all that stuff, yada, yada. That is, number one, the main issue uh, and all that stuff. And, you know, you have Sir Jim Ratcliffe, who is, you know, supposedly going to buy the thing. And it keeps, getting, it keeps getting pushed back, right? And it's not even a full owner. He's not even taking over a full ownership. It's going to be like 25% of the club, but he gets to make, you know, the decisions, if that makes sense. But every single week, it's like, oh, and it could be announced by... This weekend, and that keeps getting pushed back. So you have that hanging over the club. Two, if you look at how many of these players have been constant throughout these you know recent struggles, right? And you know, not not even talking like uh, Louis Van Gaal and anybody like that, but like through Jose Mourinho, through Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, through Ralph Ragnick, which I was not going to be a. That was not going to be a full-time manager, managerial position for Ragnick anyways. He was just caretaker kind of to the end. Uh, and then now to, to Eric Ten Hag, it's like something has to change with something in, in that dressing room has to change. Because, you know, you hear reports of, you know, oh, so-and-so is not happy that, you know, this coach is, is pushing him too hard. You know, or like is they're, they're training, you know, too hard. Training's too tough. Like, I, I don't... I don't get that, man. I, I really don't. It's it's really annoying to uh, to hear that, and it's that's it would be a problem if like this is the first time that's happened under a coach. It's happened again. All of them, from Jose Mourinho, from Ralph Ragnick, from uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer until Eric Ten Hag. It's been the exact same thing. It's just annoying to to deal with, and you know, knowing that. Oh, well, we're getting pushed too hard, you know, and like all this stuff. No, like just stop it. It's just, it's, it's so soft. There's some, there's something like, there's something fundamentally wrong. And I think it goes, it, I think it's out of Eric Ten Hogg's, like uh, it's out of his grasp, really. It doesn't help that right now, um, one of the big problems that I'm seeing with United on top of all that going on behind the scenes, which is uh, something that I saw last year with my club is when Graham Potter came in, and United are doing this not because they have too many players, but Graham Potter had so many players that it felt like it was a different 11 almost every single time out. United at least are playing the same system. Potter was also flipping systems around. Yeah. And there is at least a core to this team, which is why I think it's so different is that United are in sixth and trying to push upwards as opposed to the free fall and, re and relegation form that, that Chelsea were on. But those front... Four, really the front three, because Bruno's going to play. But the front yeah. three, for me, every time I flip United on, it feels like there's a different combination of is Rashford playing? If Rashford's playing, what spot is he even playing in? Yeah. Is Garnacho suddenly the answer down the left? 
Is Martial playing? If so, where is Martial playing? Is Anthony in or is he out? You have that going on. It feels like the back line can't get any kind of luck as far as injury goes. Luke Shaw went off with a little knock in this game on Saturday against Bournemouth. Thankfully, he was back for today's, uh, or yeah. sorry, yesterday, Tuesday's contest against Bayern Munich. Didn't really matter, but he was back. All that stuff. It, it's one of those situations where not only whatever you're dealing with behind the scenes, it, it, it doesn't look like that United are able to build any kind of cohesion on the field. I, there's going to be rotation, obviously, with all the competitions, but there shouldn't be this much rotation yeah. up front, and I think that's hurting as well. Yeah, up front, man, it's it's kind of been like this, too. And, you know, for a while you think it's, okay, th- there's struggles in midfield, right? I, I bring up the McFred midfield all the time where you have Fred and Scott McTominay who now Scott McTominay is just McTominay is just scoring goals left and right which is crazy um but yeah with with Marcus Rashford it's it's very weird he he's very good I will say that like like I'm not gonna sit here and say that Marcus Rashford isn't good you don't score 30 goals in a season and without being any good it feels like he has one move though it feels like he is not it's like okay I'm just gonna beat him with pace and that's my move. And it that can be easy to stop. And I, I feel like, especially when he's on the left, if you just crowd him a little bit, you know, get into like, and don't let him get that full head of steam uh, going because you know, he is fast AF, as the kids say. And I don't know, man. It's just like, and does he even want to be there? Like, that's that's another guy that has kind of been rumored to just be, like, I mean, obviously he wants to be a Manchester United. That's his boyhood club. Like, he's, from everything he said. But, I mean, there are reports that, you know, he's unhappy with how tough, you know, Jose Mourinho and, you know, uh, Ralph Ragnick were. Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer was more of a player's manager. There wasn't much of that. It was just, Ollie was kind of out of his depth, you know, as far as uh, everything goes. And then now it's back to Eric Ten Hag and, oh, he's pushing him too hard. You know, I, I, feel, I feel like they have something in Rasmus Hoyland. I, I really do. Because I... I I really do not think he's been getting any sort of delivery at all because that's another thing that Marcus Rashford doesn't do. It's it's frustrating to watch, but if you really pay attention to watching Marcus Rashford, he's not looking to cross anything in. He's he is like, I have blinders on, I'm gonna go score. And even when he does put a cross in, it's like a shot. Like he is not crossing in with finesse, like he's not trying to pick somebody out. He's just hitting it as hard as he can. It's like a training exercise. It's yes. like, hey, I, I put it into this trash can that's exactly. set at this spot in the box. And if my teammate's not there, they're oh, you should have been there. Make right. the run. So I, I, I do think Rasmus Hoyland is, is going to be a good player. He's obviously not there yet, and he's a young guy, but... Uh, there, there are a ton of issues, man. And then you go back, and it's like... It's Harry also McGuire tough to... was the player of the month, but, I mean, <laughs> for... Like, however many years he's been at Manchester United, he's been awful. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's not been good. And you know they're they're this team. They're whenever they're fully healthy, they're not bad. They're pretty good, right? I'm not saying they're going to win the title, good, but they're a pretty good team. I think they could be like fourth, right? They're, they're like a top four team when fully healthy. That's the issue, though, is that in a club like Manchester United, you shouldn't be relying just on these eleven. And and you can't you can't do that down, if you're playing in Europe. You just Luke, can't do it. If Luke Shaw goes down for a month, which he basically was, and now he's finally back. That can't be a backbreaker to your entire team. Not not a club like Manchester United. And you also you also can't be in a spot where Luke Shaw comes off an injury rehab program and then has to play every single game midweek on the weekend, midweek and on the weekend. Back. And yeah. it's center back too. Because that's how you end up with uh 
perennial injuries. So it's tough. It's been tough sledding for United. We'll talk about the Champions League, mainly the big picture of what Manchester United and Newcastle's failings, what that could mean for the Premier League and the Champions League next year. But elsewhere across the top of the league, Matt, Liverpool 2-1 winners over Crystal Palace on Saturday morning. You had Aston Villa. We, we talked about Villa last week. What was that going to be? Villa with the big 1-0 win over Arsenal. Uh, you flip over to Sunday. Manchester City had to come from behind against Luton, but they got that thing done 2-1. to one. And then Tottenham put in the performance of the weekend, a 4-1 victory over Newcastle. Matt, last week we, we asked the question, are we worried about Man City, all that stuff? And we talked about, like, this is a... You're grading on an, an insanely high bar, a high curve when you talk about City. That if you're worried about City, you're worried, are they simply not going to win the title? Not are they going to finish? Right. Are they going to win the treble again? Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. you're talking about that. But uh, with with all that going on, with Villa and Arsenal flying, with the ups and downs of, of Spurs, Liverpool have kind of flown under the radar a, mm. a little bit, which is like an insane statement to make. But the way that I, I just I watch a lot of Liverpool, the my sleep schedule has happened to sync up really well, just randomly. Yeah. Plus my days off as far as working college football Saturdays and then Liverpool being playing on Sunday, it, it just randomly worked out. Where I've uh, as far as like I've watched the most Chelsea, obviously because I seek them out. I've probably watched Liverpool the second most, um, and then probably Newcastle third this year. And the way that Liverpool keep chugging along, the fact that they just have a Europa League campaign, which on one hand, it's like you want to win the Europa League, but I don't think Liverpool are really in danger unless they have just another injury crisis of, of falling out. Of, like, I think it's more likely that Liverpool win the title than don't qualify for the Champions League. And, and so uh, it's one of those scenarios where you're not as stressed or as pressed about, okay, maybe you can rotate a little bit here, that or the other. Once you get into deep into the knockouts, it then becomes if you're going to go this far, you might as well win the damn thing. But I, I really, really like how Liverpool are positioned because of everyone in the title fight right now that's not named Manchester City, they not only have some depth, they've got the young pieces, they've got... Uh, but they've got the manager that not only has been in those fights and has the experience, but has the experience winning those fights. They've still got the pieces of Virgil van Dyke and Mo Salah and stuff who have been in those fights and won those fights. And I think that's going to be massive as Arsenal are still trying to kind of get across the finish line that first time. And then you'll have that whole squad bled in there. Obviously Spurs are, are trying to reform things and get back to a spot where they are fighting consistently pushing at the top. I, I just really, really like how Liverpool are positioned where uh, if you're asking me today, just in a snapshot right now, Ryan, who would you pick to win the premier league? If you gave me $10 in Vegas to go put on a future, I'd probably put my 10 bucks on, on the reds. I, one hundred percent with you. They, they've always been. I'm um, saying this as a Manchester United fan, so it's kind of through like gritted teeth. But um, they've always been fun to watch under under Klopp, especially with Salah um, and all those guys. They are the, the Bobby Firmino, Bobby Chompers uh, that that era until now. I mean, you still have some of the carryovers from those teams, but you know, adding like a, a Cody Gakpo. Um, you know, Darwin Nunez, like guys like that, they're, they're still very fun. I feel like Klopp's style has always been very fun to watch. It's very, you know, uh, pleasing for the eye. And I think it would be pleasing for like, um, as someone who's not a soccer fan, you know, to, to turn on and be like, Oh, okay. There's, there's a lot more action than I thought. You know what I mean? I think that's, uh, another good thing about Liverpool, but they have, um, 
I think flying under the radar is exactly what, not what they needed, but I think that's probably what they prefer. It's like, yeah, you guys, you guys all forgot about us last year, but take a look why you forgot about us because there were so many injuries for Liverpool. It was insane. Honestly, I mean, you lose like Virgil van Dijk for a long time. Uh, and it's, and, and others, obviously it's not just Virgil van Dijk, but they were so incredibly injured last year. Uh, and then whenever they finally got healthy, they went on a tear to end the season. And I think it, it, for a, a club, the size, the size of Liverpool flying under the radar, maybe not like the, the right term for it. Um, but maybe a little bit more doubted than the others, just based on the simple fact that you can look back last year at where they finished. If you're just like looking at, you know, the scoreboard, not really looking at, you know, why this ha- context, con- context matters. Watching, if the- you don't care about context, then you can look back and be like, oh, yeah. you finished seventh or sixth or whatever they finished and be like, oh, don't talk to me until you get this. And Liverpool's like, all right, cool. Well, I mean, we'll be Liverpool, right back. don't be surprised when we get fully healthy. We're right back. They flew into the Raiders so so hard last year that they almost like popped up and stole United's Champions yeah, League spot did. right right at the very very end. So uh, I, I'm excited to see what that turns out looking. And then you look at Sunday, uh, the two big results on Sunday. I thought one of them was that Spurs result, which we talked about. Uh, it, you wondered how long Newcastle could just keep playing like this. And I had picked Spurs win like three two, but this was an overwhelming performance. This was finally I felt like Tottenham were. Um, getting back right as they had had a, a couple of games in a row where they threw away points from winning positions. Newcastle had been the opposite. They had put together a little purple patch, and I thought this was kind of an equilibrium game of Spurs coming back to being like, yeah, okay, no, we can finish these games off. And Newcastle said, okay, you're not going to do that every week. But the uh, one of the three games in that early slot, first off, we would be remiss if we didn't mention this really quickly. Fulham just absolutely Dude. took West Ham behind the woodshed. That was... Some, of all the results this weekend, the 5-0 Fulham absolutely pantsing West Ham, not what I had. Uh, blow some bubbles in that thing, West Ham. But We need to sign a life for the Hammers, right? Yeah, we do. But you look at the September Heisman has crashed and burned for uh, the Premier League. But Everton continue their push here post uh, points deduction. They had the setback against Manchester United. There was the bike. It really t- sucked the wind out of the sails early. But since then, Everton have just been excellent um, in that game. Or since that game, they beat Forest, the 3-0 over Newcastle, the 2-0 on the weekend over Chelsea in a game where, from the Chelsea perspective, this wasn't as bad as that Newcastle game, where the Newcastle game, they never were really in it. And Chelsea were at least playing in this one, but just didn't have the end product. And you saw uh, when Chelsea weren't really cohesive, Everton were. I think that that's a huge testament to Sean Deitch and what he can do. And suddenly you look up and it's what we had said, like, Hey man, if I were Sean Deitch and I was doing dumb team stuff, I would post a premier league table in the dressing room. And I would not post it as what the actual premier league table is right now. I would just post it with what Everton are with their 10 points factored back in as a little reminder of like, remember what you are. If the table were that way today, Everton would be all alone in 10th on 23 points. Instead, they have already worked their way out of the drop zone. Yet again, they're now four points clear of Luton, and they're just going to keep climbing. And uh, for me, I I really, really am happy for Everton because they've had to avoid the drop in almost miracle fashion two years in a row. And now it looks like Sean Dyche has got them stabilized 
and back to where they should be a fixture in the Premier League, where they're looking up as opposed to behind their shoulder and looking yep. down. And as someone who just loves, and I don't, none of us know top flight English football who are walking on this earth right now, uh, listen to this program at least. Probably none of us know it without Everton up there. Then that makes really happy, especially as they're moving to a big stadium uh, or a new stadium next year. Yeah, no, it's it, it's going to be fun. It's going to be weird not being at Goodison. Right? You know what I mean? It's going to be very, very... I'll tell you this, as a Chelsea fan, where Chelsea, like Goodison, is just like right. a, a house of horrors, I won't mind it one bit. Right. Exactly. Uh, Everton, man, uh, good for them, honestly. Um, you know, the... Uh, um, the Decore goal, uh, I mean, it was kind of off a deflection, right? Calvert, Calvert-Lewin running there, and then a uh, great save from the keeper, and then just kind of ball gets batted around out to Decore, and not much you could really do. Uh, Everton, a, a good, I mean, this is such a good, Everton, I feel like, is like the feel-good kind of thing. I, I think, for me as a United fan, because they've sent, you know, some players to, to Everton before, right? Like, Obviously, still Wayne Rooney. Still Wayne Rooney from them in prime. But sent him back whenever he's well past. Eventually. Time. When he is well past. One past day he'll right. return. He'll return. Uh, but that, you know, like Phil Neville uh, played there. You know, Michael Keane, right? I mean, like all, all these guys. So I feel like there's sort of like a tie to Everton. And it's the, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend type type deal um, for Everton. But it's it's a good story. And again, when, when they got that point deduction too, uh, I wasn't scared about... I still wasn't even scared about them getting relegated. They'd been playing too well, uh, well I, above what they did last year. If they if they had played the way that they played before the points deduction, it should have been no worries. But I think yeah. maybe I'm a little gun shy as someone who saw when Chelsea went through the sanctions era, where like in theory it's like, hey, players, your salary's still going through. Um, they're still going to get you travel to the games, all that stuff. Like in re- in theory, it should be a this is affecting the club, but not you. And, and they were yeah. and they were safe. And like Chelsea were kind of running their own race of like they were going to get fourth. They weren't going to be the title race. But the team took this huge, massive downturn and were awful and haven't looked like a normal soccer team. They haven't looked like Chelsea really um, since then. They look like the Chelsea of old, old, old. I just wondered with Everton that it, it puts an extra amount of pressure and while it's galvanized the fan base, suddenly you do look up and drop points don't mean that you're in tenth. Drop points mean it's another week that we're technically in the drop. So, so I, I just wondered. But yeah. Sean Dyche is, is not only experienced enough, but experienced enough with at a club like Burnley where that was the, the goal of yours just to not get relegated. That I'm happy he's been able to kind of translate that. And they already look like just the the bruising physical uh, style that Burnley used to play that, that makes me pretty happy. I know. I know, man. The, the, the Burnley of old at Turf War, you do what you were in for. Uh, absolutely. Um, but no, it, good for Everton, man. I, I just, uh, again, I I've all, I, I feel like everyone, except if you're you know a Liverpool fan, probably has like a little special place in their soccer heart for, for Everton. You know, one of the only teams never to be relegated. Them and Arsenal, right? Uh, never been relegated. Or the old heads bouncing around, just like, heads. "Hey, we can't do. We can't. We literally can't do this without you guys. We cannot. You have to be with us, please. Please be with us." So, um, yeah, no, shout out to Everton, man. It's it's fun. And again, I, I'm I'm glad they're not going to be relegated. I'm glad it wasn't like, a, "Oh, hey, you're going to lose 50 points you know, or something like that." Yeah, it's, it's like, like a guarantee that we are now going to ensure financial yes. ruin because these 10 points mean right. you no longer cash Premier League checks. Exactly. So I'm, I'm glad it wasn't that. Um, so yeah, Everton, man, it's just, yeah, it's just, 
know, business as usual. And like you said last week, it is like, hey, look at it as if those 10 points weren't there. Like, have a board yeah. in, in the locker room of like, hey. Visualize. This is where we would be. Had the had we not gotten screwed, basically. Yeah. Elsewhere around the league, Brighton continues their impressive streak of Brighton scores in every game. Their opponent scores in every game. That's just what happens. You get goals. Brighton and Burnley finishes 1-1 at the Amex. Sheffield United with the big 1-0 win over Brentford. That was on Saturday. And then Wolves and Nottingham Forest. They split the spoils 1-1. One big win for Villa. We talked a ton about Villa last week. So just just hit up the Soccer Show podcast feed. Head over to either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Just search the Soccer Show. We have a ton, a ton, a ton of Villa content there. That's Matt Burton. I'm Ryan Chapman. We're gonna take a quick break. On the other side, we'll dive into the Champions League. The group stage is over. We know who is headed to the knockouts, and we're gonna tell you what that could potentially mean for the Premier League and their bid or their their attempt to get five Champions League spots next year as the competition expands. All of that and more coming up. Still plenty of show left. You're listening to the Soccer Show, Brides by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic here on 107.7 The Franchise. The Soccer Show is on Twitter. Give us a follow at Soccer Show 1077. This is the Soccer Show. Here on 107 of the franchise brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. Ryan Chapman alongside Matt Burton here on this SEC schedule release Wednesday. Will well, you get relegated? Uh, they, maybe. I mean, it, it's certainly in the cards if you just, if you just cross-tab final college football playoff rankings versus Oklahoma's 2024 football schedule. Uh, we'll have to break it down. I know we won't be going line by line picking games on the Franchise Morning Show tomorrow, which fires up at 6 a.m., so you can find <laughs> that on the afternoon show with Matt and Tyler Neal. I heard during the commercial break, uh, I reached out to Tyler Neal. I heard that he's going, he's got OU going 4-8. and eight in, uh, okay. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, well, I'm there kidding. You go. Put your pitchforks down, people. Put your pitchforks down. The most important thing to come out of that is I'll be attending the Atlanta Braves on Friday night of Auburn weekend, <laughs> so... It's party time. I was um, sorry. I was looking stuff up during the break and uh, a little bit late into that. And uh, I, I meant to have this pulled up. I just could not find the tweet that I was. So I decided to take matters in my own hands. Uh, I wanted to bring this up since you brought up Eric Ten Hag. Yes. Not to get back on my United Soapbox, but I'm going to get back on my United Soapbox. Um, as far as giving him time, I like. I really do think that he is the guy for the job. Uh, I, and I am a fan of giving people jobs. I, I or like giving people time to do the jobs. Liberal. Yeah, I know, right? Seriously, uh, <laughs> giving people jobs. Giving people jobs. Uh, but no, giving people time to sure do not, their jobs. I'm not going to say that because like they didn't give Jose Mourinho that that long. Didn't give Ole Gunnar Solskjaer that long. Didn't give. Um, obviously, Ralph Ragnick wasn't going to get a long time on the job, but. Uh, just to, just for some like peer to peer examples, and you know, with the size of Manchester United, right? I'll just go to some of the other big clubs, right? 
Pep Guardiola, not a good example, right? Not a good example because I think we should throw nation state owned clubs out of this conversation because the, the, a, a little bit different stuff can uh, right. happen there. But I mean, in, in Pep's first year, he was third, right? It's not like he came in and like they get in the Champions League, right? They did well, but uh, they come third and then obviously go on an absolute tear. Uh, winning five out of the last six Premier Leagues. All right, so let's go over to another rival for Manchester United. Let's go over to Liverpool. Jurgen Klopp, uh, been there for a while, since didn't 2015. He, didn't he finish seventh in his first year? He finished eighth. Ah. He finished eighth in his first year. And the first full year? Because he took over mid-year for Barrage. Uh, then that would have been... If it was mid-year, then it would... I think it said... When I was looking up, it said 2015 is when he joined. Yeah. October of 2015. So, I would guess that that's when they finished eighth. Either way, it then was... the next two years, they finished fourth. Yeah. Both years. So, still Champions League spot, but, you know, not really, you know, competing. And then they go on and, you know, have a, a ton of success. Um, also, let's go to Arsenal. Let's go to Mikel Arteta. So, took over in excuse me, in 2019, finished eighth. Next year, eighth. Year after that, fifth. And then last year, got all the way up to second. And honestly, you know, probably should have won. Like I mean, they, well, they, they, had, they, they, had, they kind of bottled it a little uh, they bit. Absolutely bottled down it. the end. And then now they're 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 playing well again. So see, that's that's not me saying uh, you know. Eric Ten Hag is what Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola or anything like that. But if you don't give guys time, then how are you? How are you going to know? Well, it, especially in in today's, I think today more than any, it's harder to just plug and play with transfers. Like you have to have a foundation of this is how we play under this manager. You need a couple of seasons of that, and then it becomes a lot easier to bet one guy in and get that one guy. Right to play the way the rest of the other 10 on the field play, stuff like that. And uh, thankfully for United, they haven't had as much like upheaval on the pitch, but it's a it's a group that has played a bunch of different styles the yeah. last two or three seasons. And Ten Hag has a very unique, and I know he said that we can't be the Ajax or whatever, but like he has his principles and he's yeah. going to fit it as best he can to this club, to his current club. Uh, it, it'll just be... It's tough to write it out because then yeah. then you uh, it's like Arsenal wanted to write it out forever with Wenger, and then it was like God, when are you ever going to chip back into the Champions League, right. get that thing going? Because it can happen. It, I think that it's one of those things. If you have to be patient on one hand, but it can also happen really, really fast. Mm-hmm. And, and bouncing that is tough. Is tough indeed. Let's step over into the Champions League, though, Matt. Uh, on Tuesday, what well, really you had um, across everything here, here are just your qualifiers through. The group says Group A, Munich's going to go through into pot A, uh, and, and then Copenhagen will be in the second pot. Manchester United finishes fourth in Group A. We'll talk about what that means here in a second. Arsenal and PSV, they were pretty much locked in um, for the yeah. most part, uh, and, and they played to a 1-1 draw on Tuesday. Arsenal go through first, PSV second. Real Madrid and Napoli go through in Group C in that order. You've got um, Group D, Real Sociedad goes through. Uh, on top of Inter, they finish level on points, but Sociedad gets the higher pecking order off of goal difference. In Group E, you had Atletico Madrid and Lazio. Group F, the group of death. 
Lil Old Dortmund finds a way <laughs> after selling Jude Bellingham, who's been an absolute sensation at Real Madrid. It is Dortmund who goes through top of the group. Paris Saint-Germain only goes through on goal difference, level on points with Milan, and Newcastle finishes bottom despite the fact that we had a Christian Pulisic goal today. We had Joe Linton who celebrates goals with the anger and spirit of a thousands. <laughs> I love it so much. Uh, but Milan will be headed to the Europa League. Newcastle drop all the way out. Manchester City and Red Bull Leipzig, those two kind of cruised in Group G. And in Group H, it was Barcelona and it was Porto that sinned through in Group H. But uh, as we kind of mentioned, you've got City and you've got Arsenal through. They're going to keep trucking. Manchester United and Newcastle not only fall all the way out of the Champions League, but no Europa League for United, uh, either of the Uniteds. Um, so on one hand, from a Manchester United or a Newcastle perspective, uh, this might be the... You want to get to the Europa League, so if you win the Europa League, that's a, easy, that's a free ticket to the Champions League. But also with their current position in the table, it might not be the worst thing in the world to just totally take those European trips off the yep. table. Um, and so that might not be the worst thing. But something that we'll have to keep an eye on, uh, I'm not great at the hashtag maths, mm. but next year the Champions League does expand. It does go to a bigger model, the Swiss model. Swiss. Oh, we're going to have a group state. It's going to be gross. I'm going to hate it. I'm probably going to be neutral. I'm probably going to bitch and moan about it. Well, it's it's going to be neutral, but it will hide all the taxes of okay. any of anyone. Perfect. It'll hide all the money and avoid all the taxes well, of any yeah, yeah of any good. potentially unsafery. But the reason I say this is it's on the table that England has five spots in next year's Champions League. This is all determined by the UEFA coefficient. I really don't want to get into the UEFA coefficient because I'm not actually quite sure. Basically, here's how it works. The better teams in your country do, the higher your coefficient is. So, for instance, making runs to the Champions League final, that is huge. Just making runs through the various knockout stages, that increases your coefficient. And I don't know the exact gritting out of stuff like that. But with uh, both Manchester United and Newcastle dipping out, they are done adding to England's UEFA coefficient. That could have been two clubs if they had just finished third that kept trucking through, I think England would have a really, really, really good shot at landing those five Champions League spots. I think it would have almost been done yeah. and dusted. So now that'll just be something to keep an eye on because uh, the, the top four trophy could turn into a top five trophy if Arsenal and City truck through, if uh, Brighton continue cruising in Europe, if Liverpool, like I think that Liverpool, they don't need to win the Europa League to get to the Champions League, but winning the Europa League would help somebody else get to the Champions League right. out of England. So just kind of something interesting to track. So it'll be a little bit different than uh, what it's been forever, which is just four English teams going to the, the Champions League. Well, I think everyone out there listening. Via the league table, at least. Everyone out there listening, and you included, Ryan, we're all thinking the exact same thing. And so I'm just going to say it all for us. Way to go, Newcastle, for screwing it up. For I everybody. know. That's all That's all on Newcastle. Newcastle. We know. United. Good job. They had the, the so-called group of death, and they couldn't even finish third in it. They, uh, no, it's okay. Just another reason to blame Manchester United. Okay. Uh, who blame for everything? Who, who out of England with all the money in England would merely post five points in a Champions League group stage? Like, you don't have to go through, but five points in six games is pretty lame. 
And if you get less than five points across six games, then that's if you're going to go out pretty sad, disgusting. If you're going to go out sad, I mean, try a little bit less than getting five points. Okay, you should get four points. It's a lot cooler because it makes you it you know that you had legitimately no shot at anything. Manchester United finished on four points. Here's the good news: spin zone, perfect spin zone. Manchester United did finish second in the group stage in something. You ready? No. Goals allowed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> really good. Oh, wait. Who beat us? Did, uh, Antwerp. Antwerp. Yes. Antwerp has 17 goals allowed. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. No, I, I thought that uh, this was a big boy group stage from Arsenal. Yeah. Um, this was like no nonsense. They just went in and just took care of business. And like it was a group that they should have advanced out of and should have advanced out of with ease. And so on one hand, it's like uh, you did what was expected of you, but they did what was expected of them and they didn't let any of the group stage stuff like this. Uh, for me, it's not looked like an Arsenal team through the group stage that has been dead legs in the Premier League or stuff like that. It's looked like an Arsenal team that's just like, yeah, sorry. Eli Drinkwitz, Missouri's head coach, is FaceTiming in from what I imagine is a recruit's home in front of the Christmas tree. And it's really bothering me that he just couldn't get someone else to hold the phone. It's really distracting. Shout out to a two-hour SEC schedule release show. But Arsenal, I, I just, I really enjoyed it. It was like they handled this group stage and the travel and getting back locked in on the Premier League like a team that has been playing in the Champions League for a decade. And they're just like, yeah, that's what we do. We, we have midweek games, all that stuff. And I know that... They've played Europa League, but it's just a little different. And uh, th- that, I think, was the most encouraging thing for Arsenal. City absolutely cruised. Uh, and it should be fun when we get that draw popped out to start seeing what's going to happen here as we cut down to 16 in the Champions League. No, it, it'll be fun, man. And, yeah, again, shout out to Arsenal, too. I mean, um, excuse me, like PSV, those, those are no pushovers. Uh, neither is Lynn either and uh, Sevilla, too. I mean, that, that was a sneaky, tough group. And, uh, I mean, they... They kind of just rolled, and it is business as usual, like you, like you said. And um, I, I just, I really like the way Arsenal are set up. You know, I, I know there's always going to be some uh, some tossing and turning uh, as far as like the Premier League table goes, especially you know throughout this this little stretch heading up to Boxing Day. Um, but I expect them to be there right right till the end. I mean, yeah, I know. Look at me going out on limbs saying the guys who finished runner-up last year are going to be in the title charge again. Uh, but I just I, I like the way they're set up even more than they were last year, man. Last year kind of took me by surprise a little bit. And, uh, you know, you add to that with getting a, a Declan Rice this offseason who has been so good for Arsenal. And you know, it, it pains me to watch. It pains me to say it. But, you know, I... I like the way Arsenal are set up, man. And not only that, um, but for for the Champions League too. Not not even talking about Premier League, but for the Champions League, if they can, you know, if they can just handle some of these bigger names, right? Because they haven't been in the Champions League for a while. You know, if they can just handle a, a little bit, they handled the the hard part, right? Making it through the group. Now it's okay, kind of icing on the cake. Now it's like we got that belief, we rolled in the group. Now let's keep this momentum going. And uh, no one really wants to talk about this because it's the best competition in the world. But health has a lot to do with Champions League runs, yeah. and uh, injury luck is just that. It's injury luck. So that will play a role for somebody. There's going to be one massive club that's just going to be strapped for injuries come the quarterfinals. It's going to be like, well, we can talk about the two legs and perseverance, but at the end of the day. Um, that's just going to decide one or two of these ties, and it'll be it is what it is. So hopefully, fingers crossed for all the best injury luck for all of your teams, and uh, hope that we get as healthy as possible Champions League, so that we can get these guys into a summer 
and hopefully maybe some of them can chill and relax a little bit. I know we got Euros on the horizon, Copa America, all that fun stuff. On the other side, though, we're going to talk. The Copa America groups were drawn. We're going to hit that real quick for the United States and then also preview the weekend that will be in the Premier League. More soccer show brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Royal Clinic coming up on the other side. Stick with us. You're listening to The Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic on 1077 The Franchise. Chapman, Matt Burton here on the Soccer Show, brought to you by Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic. If you miss any of the show tonight, anything like that, no fret. It'll be podcasted at some point this evening. Don't have an exact time for you. I've got to run home and get some uh, Taco Casa before I podcast. That is that is literally a uh, a tradition now, a Wednesday tradition for me. But it'll be up at some point this evening, so you can circle back. Anywhere you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, just search The Soccer Show. It'll be up for your morning drive tomorrow morning. Matt, we're going to preview the Premier League slate as we always do. But real quick, some poor timing last week just on our part. I think the Copa America draw happened on Thursday, which meant that it's like as old as can be and it still be fresh in between shows here. But just a reminder, a huge, huge part of the U.S. preparing for the 2026 World Cup is that we are in the 2024 Copa America. We are hosting the 2024 Copa America. And the draw popped out. So Group A is Argentina, Peru, Chile, and then one of the playoff winners will get dumped into Group A. In Group B, Mexico will have Ecuador, Venezuela, and Jamaica. So a little concacaf there hey. with Mexico and Jamaica. In Group C, a little CONCACAF as well, as the United States will have Uruguay, Panama, and Bolivia. And then Group D, you'll have Brazil, Colombia, Paraguay, and then that's where the other playoff winner gets slotted in. Really, really fascinating to see. Just first off, uh, I, I know that there's CONCACAF involved, but the U.S. not having to do a whole other round of preparing against CONCACAF. Uruguay, I think everyone knows the quality that Uruguay brings to the table and, and some of the top-in scores that Uruguay has had over the years. Bolivia is not going to be a walkover as the, the pot D team, quote-unquote, team in uh, the U.S. as a group. So I'm really excited what this is going to bring because uh, there's going to be a different level of pressure on the United States men in 2026 as they're hosting the World War Cup, uh, the World Cup, obviously. And, and I like the start of it right now. Like, you need to come into this tournament. And look, you're not Argentina. You're not Brazil. That's okay. That's yeah. okay, but you're hosting thing. Care yourself like that. Like, start thinking of yourself like we can go at these teams and, and take care of business in the group. Get through that, and, and hopefully we'll see what goes on there. Again, health is going to be a, a huge part dictating what the squad actually looks like. But I'm excited to see what Greg Berhalter gets to do, especially because again, stepping out of Concacaf means you see some different tactics. You see different ways that teams are going to go at you, and because uh, the U.S. is hosting the tournament, we know that we're not going to be playing on Trinidad and Tobago's pitch, which is. <laughs> uh, no one comes into our house and pushes us around. That's the that's the yeah. Way is go. that is that what Berhalter's going to roll out? Run. 
These colors. Well, Wes McKinney runs, but he usually is running to the corner flag to celebrate in a very cool. (laughs) Let me see you do it. Left, do it. Right, do it. Now, Juventus is all over my TikTok. Like, I feel like I watched one of those videos and liked it, and then they're just like, we must feed you all the Juve Weston McKinney content. Oh, you really like Juventus? Okay. To which I'm just like, cool. I I like Jeeps. I think that they're dope cars. (laughs) They're great. There's yeah, sure. Um, But no, I I, am excited about the draw, man. Excited about. Um, you know the the possibility of playing some of these teams too. I, I mean, just you know, stepping up a, a little bit as far as you know the the competition goes. I think that's that's what gets me the most excited, man. You know, you see, uh, you know, Argentina and Brazil in there, but to get to maybe play one of those teams, you got to handle business in the group first. I, I just I love it, man. Another no, another note as well. I saw this come out. I think ESPN had this. I think, on Friday or Saturday. Uh, But the U.S. and Mexico are going to be putting forth a joint bid for the 2027 Women's World Cup as well. So we could go back-to-back on hosting World Cups, which would be incredible. Um, Obviously, as as much money as I'm setting aside in 2026 for the World Cup, I will set aside just as much money to follow the U.S. women because that will be a ton of fun. Uh, and I will lose my mind. If Emma Hayes and I are in the same place, I will come away with an Emma Hayes autograph. And that's just happening. That's just something that will have to happen. I, it's funny. I love the U.S. women. I'll take my sister. She'll be fangirling over the U.S. women, which I will as well. But I will be mostly fangirling over Emma Hayes. And my sister will be like, stop your embarrassment. Quit it. Quit it. Please. 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 Back in Premier League action. We've got Friday kickoffs back on the menu, Matt. Friday, 2 p.m., call in sick, tell your boss, I'm out, get out to Skinny's, Nottingham Forest and Spurs at the city ground. That will get going on Friday. Here's a slate on Saturday and Sunday, and then we'll do that, and then we'll circle back and let me know what you're most interested in. As always, Saturday, we have a trio of 9 a.m. kickoffs that will be fun and one that will be miserable that involves Chelsea. We'll start with the fun ones. Bournemouth will host Luton. Man City will host Crystal Palace. Newcastle looking to bounce back on the back end of their 4-1 defeat to Spurs. will take on Fulham, who is flying high after mm-hmm. absolutely hammering the Hammers 5-0. And then Chelsea will host Sheffield in a relegation fight there. Burnley and Everton, that <laughs> is your 11:30 out at Turf Moor. We flip over to Sunday. Arsenal have another fun one. Uh, They will host Brighton at 8 a.m. Goals assured in that game. Brentford and Villa also at 8 a.m. As is West Ham and Wolves. And then the showpiece of the weekend. Sunday at 10.30. Manchester United heads to Anfield. Tin Hag v. Klopp. Let me take the temperature real quick. How you feeling headed into the big tilt? I'll answer your question with another question. How do you think I'm feeling, Ryan? Uh, not good, Matt. Yeah, no, I don't think you're good. I was hoping that this would be a form of therapy for you so that you don't have to pay some expensive therapy, but I, I don't think we've gotten there. I don't think any level of therapy will help me. Um, fair. Totally fair. I, some people can't be helped. I will say, just don't get beat 7 nil again. 6 nil. I'll be... Okay. Then, in it, yeah, I, in I you're in? I get it. That's Matt fine. Burton today. I get we, it. Hey, but 7 again? I can't... I can't take it. I need to talk to the Matt Burton that runs the Twitter, not the Matt Burton on the show right now. Matt, I need you to pull the tweet graph. I need you to pull the quote graphic, a photo of you in Manchester United garb, like 6-0, I'll take it. 6-0, I'll take it. 6-0, I'll take it. That's fine. Just not 7 again, please. Not a full touchdown. An extra point, please.
on on a serious note, though, it, it's just it comes at a really bad time for United. I mean, obviously, the, the best time for Liverpool. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's it comes on, it comes on the back of the little purple patch that United had is over clearly with the Bournemouth loss, and then yep. Bayern Munich just Bayern made United run all over the yep. place, and they totally controlled that thing. Liverpool flying high, obviously, as we mentioned, uh, good vibes from Klopp. I, this feels like I, I'm actually more interested in the Arsenal Brighton game earlier same, on Sunday. Same here, because uh, I I just think Liverpool are going to thrash. And I'm if I were, I'm sorry if I were neutral, I would like if you're making me pick the game of the week. I, it would be as far as like what I think is going to be a good game. It would be Arsenal and Brighton. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think Liverpool win. Uh, they can probably pick the score, and they probably will. That's probably fair. That's probably fair. Uh, on Saturday, let's take a step back. Uh, interested to see if Everton can go into turf more and kind of do the thing to Burnley because Burnley have been, they're still in the relegation zone, obviously. They're, they're, they're still not racking up enough points. But I thought they've played better over the last three or four weeks. I, I think that they've maybe settled in on striking that balance again. Of, okay, when you're in the championship and we're into the top teams in the championship, you can play in the front foot whenever you want. Now it becomes that even when they can counter, it's like, okay, every team we step on the field with is probably more talented than us. So if we don't score, how many numbers do you really want to commit for? All that stuff. I think they've found some better balance, but Everton have been really, really good, like we mentioned uh, earlier. I, like, I think that's going to be fun on Saturday. Newcastle and Fulham. Si- the way Fulham are playing right now, uh, sign me up three wins over their last five. Uh, and, and anything that happens at St. James's Park, like St. James's Park is usually just up for it. It makes for great, oh, yeah. great watching because the atmosphere is phenomenal. No, it absolutely is, man. I- I'm looking forward to uh, to that one. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, the Fulham. I mean, it's another one of those things. Fulham are playing about as good as you can, and uh, Newcastle is just a tough one. It's <laughs> a tough one uh, over the weekend, but um, yeah, I-, I like Everton to get one done against Burnley, even though Burnley have been playing a little bit better. I think ever Everton. So I think they're on that. Okay, you know, screw you guys. Like, let's just yeah, go we're play. just us against the world. Yes, exactly, um, man. I'm looking forward to uh, start, start switching back a little bit to Sunday. But Aston Villa and Brentford, you know, going on the road uh, to Brentford, you know, playing well. Villa is, you know, I feel like that could be a sneaky like, oh. Brentford was not ready for Brentford. Like Brentford's no slouch. They're yeah, 11th, they're eleventh right now, um, but. Again, the way Villa are playing, I, I I would pick Villa to win, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's like a little, oh, maybe we overlooked that one a little bit. I'm waiting for Brentford to get off the mat a little bit. They've lost four of their last five, and I, I kind of, it's a little similar, well, not really. Um, I, I'm just, I need to see a sign of life from Brentford before I'm back yeah. in on, on them preventing anything like that. And then like the exact opposite as far as teams that are kind of outside of the title fight, Europe fight, anything like that. I can't quit watching Luton. Like, they play with this spirit of, like, we're just going to give it a go. Right. You know what I mean? Which I really dig. But Bournemouth, they've won five games in the league. Four of their last five outings have been wins. Like, four of their last five wins, uh, four of their five wins, excuse me, speak the English, have come in their last five games. So, Bournemouth are on a run right now. And I'm really, really interested to see if Luton can sit back and really, really frustrate Bournemouth, because that's not something that Bournemouth see a lot, right? Bournemouth are usually the one that says, we need to to pack some numbers in and try and smash and grab this one a little bit. And so 
Uh, Luton headed to Bournemouth. I don't think it's going to be an aesthetically pleasing game, yep. but as a Premier League sicko, I'm going to be all in on that one. And I, th- I think, too, that uh, I think Spurs will win, but I think that uh, the city ground will be up for it as they head to Nottingham Forest on Friday. I'm, I'm pretty juiced about this weekend. It's one of those that we've got the, the two Sunday fixtures that we talked about, but... This is one of those weekends where I'm like, even if there's not like four games that just jump off the page to you, the Premier League is delivered this season. And I, I just have a sneaky feeling that there'll be weird stuff happening. Like Crystal Palace might pop up and, and get an early goal against City, and then they're having to chase the game again or something like right. that. I, I think we're going to get some weirdness this weekend. I dig it. I absolutely dig it, man. It would be so weird if Manchester United won like 3-1. That would be so weird. That'd be, that'd be really uh, weird. No, that'd be no, fun. I think for uh, general weirdness, man, like, you know, if Fulham keeps us going against Newcastle, right? It's something that we're not really like. I mean, it would be fun to see, but I think, you know, Newcastle are, are the better side, but that would be fun to see. I'm with you on Crystal Palace. Um, you called you called Chelsea and Sheffield a relegation battle. I think that's... Come on, man. Like, Bro, okay. Chelsea are on relegation not, form in 2023. Not, they they are. If you look no. if you look at the 2023 form table, Chelsea are closer to the bottom than they are the 10th. Dude, it's okay. It's going to be fine. We might see... We need to go to therapy together. We do need to go to therapy. Couples therapy sounds dope. <laughs> uh, the only thing I would say is Christopher Nkunku has been, like, looming. I have not understood the, like, is Potch's job in trouble? Potch said... He showed us in preseason. He was building the entire Chelsea attack around the signing of Christopher Nkunku. And then in the friendly against Dortmund in Chicago, he shredded his knee. So I, I don't think that Chelsea are like even thinking about anything future, not whatever. Because um, they clearly like they have a style that they want to play. They're just not scoring. But until Nkunku plays and like Reese James is out until March again, another just massive hamstring injury for him feels awful. Uh, but Romeo Lavia, also the other midfield signing that Chelsea made who hasn't gotten a, a chance to roll out there, he is working his way back as well. So um, Chelsea's midfield, like Connor Gallagher, Enzo Fernandez, and Moises Caicedo have had to play basically like every single minute. And I, th- and as young guys that haven't been in that spot before, I think you've kind of started to see those legs get a bit heavy, especially as Enzo and Caicedo are now way more heavily involved in the international team, and they've both had to go to South America for both of the international breaks and then come on back. So uh, that that would be the thing to watch, I guess, for uh, Chelsea and Sheffield. It would be, does Nkunku and Lavia make the bench? Uh, Nkunku sounds like Schrodinger's soccer player. Yeah. Well, like, the, I just keep hearing about it. Well, the funny about, thing is... This is stupid. We're yeah, going over. Good, Whatever. You're getting you're getting some uh Extra. you're getting some Extra uh, time. added time here at the soccer show. Um in Kunku, the original injury diagnosis, but he'd be back around Christmas. Okay. Then going into the last international break, Nkunku himself was like, I'm pushing to be back on the other side. So all the Chelsea <laughs> fans were like, he's here, he's in training, we are saved. Hallelujah. And then it's like Actually, the original injury diagnosis is 100% correct, right, and that yeah. is what we're exactly trending toward. <laughs> so it's like this weird of, like, there hasn't been a setback. It was just you thought it was going to be earlier, and understandably, the club has been very, like, we're going to just bring you back at your pace because the injury crisis has been awful. So uh, we'll see. We'll see. That's the only, like, uh, my intrigue ends at 8 a.m. when the lineup drops, and then I'll just go back to being miserable because that's what we do here and that is what makes soccer fans great. That everyone out there listening to the show, except for our friend Queso, who loves us, Brighton, is pretty miserable at their own club, no matter where they are on the table, because that's what we are. But Matt, we are out of time. We're actually over. 
So we will send this thing to a VAR review, and it'll get popped out there on the podcast feed. Once again, just search The Soccer Show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Huge thank you, as always, to Oklahoma City FC and the Broadway Clinic for their continued incredible sponsorship of The Soccer Show. Huge thank you to Matt Burton for... Uh, laying his feelings out on the table for all of us. Huge thank you to Reeves Mitchell for keeping us on air. On the other side, we'll have the Franchise Outdoor Hour. Uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow morning at 6. Matt, we'll talk to you tomorrow at 3 p.m. Until then, I just hope we make it out of the group in the Cope America, man. That's all I hope. We'll talk to you.